looks a bit of crooked. I might have fixed it in post, but I'll just well fix it now. <laughs> right. Looks like I'm missing a piece, and that probably is the issue. Oh well. It's not like it's for the TV, it's for the internet. <laughs> How do you want to be introduced? Um, you can just my name if you want to share it in or um uh, on a, I don't know how you usually introduce people, just who they are. Whatever they tell me to say. Oh, okay. Well, you can say, hey, this is Sheridan, um, a young entrepreneur in the city. Yes, you yes, know? yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Three. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today we have Mr. Sheridan. He's a young entrepreneur here in the RDU, doing big things with bigger things to come in the future. Sheridan, please introduce yourself. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Um, my name is Sheridan. Like he said, I'm a young entrepreneur in the RDU area. Um, I do plenty of things um, from moving and transportation to rental cars um, to real estate. So like he said, definitely bigger things to come in the future. Indeed, indeed. Sheridan, what brings you here today? What's going on? Yeah, so I definitely wanted to, this is my first therapy session. Um, no. I, <laughs> disclaimer, <laughs> this is not a traditional therapy session. This is a mock therapy session. This is our introduction. I'm just being introduced to Sheridan face to face. So do not look at this as a typical therapy session per se, because one, we would not disclose such information to the public because therapy is a one-on-one -on -one thing, private, unless it's in group therapy. And two, there was no assessment done before this meeting. With that, we will continue. Exactly. So like he was saying, this is a mock therapy session. It's my first time um, talking to somebody that doesn't know me personally, like you just said, um, and articulating certain things that's happened in my past, mm -hmm. what I think about may happen in the future. Specifically today, um, I had uh, my dog passed away May 12th. Um, right in the morning, I woke up to him, uh, passed away on one of the floor upstairs. So I wanted to kind of you know, talk about that mm -hmm. and unpack that a little bit. Right. Kind of, in a way, free myself from the burden of feeling like I wasn't good enough in a way, which is a weird feeling because I know he had a good life, right? Yeah. But I feel like sometimes, I feel like a lot of times with death comes life, mm -hmm. but a lot of times you get stuck with the death and don't realize there's still a lot of life to be left. Indeed. Let's talk about that. Your dog. How long was, what's your dog's name? His name's Mac. Max, how long were you and Max together? Man, I've had that boy since he was three months. Man. Three months. Three months. Three months. Uh, he's 10 years old when he passed away. Okay. And, but he definitely lived a great yes, life. Yes, definitely, definitely. 10 years is a long time. Oh, for yeah. some, it's a lifetime. And obviously, it was a lifetime for Max. But for you, because you're a young man, you know, so he probably grew up in some of the fundamental ages of your development in this world to become the man you are today. Those stages, he walked with you and he was there with you along this journey so i can understand how him not being here today could be such a great loss for you oh yes yeah. i mean like you just said you know having 
and you don't realize that somebody is with you every single day, right? Like I got him when he was three months when I was in college, like you said, mm -hmm. pivotal points in my life. Um, I got him right when I moved um, out of my parents into my own apartment um, in college. Um, I still remember him. He was a, when I got him the first day I got him, I remember taking him to go get a flea bath. Mm -hmm. You know, all the exciting things from teaching him how to play, swim. Um, so like I, like you said, even from there, transitioning, he was with me when I got my master's. And then transitioning me after that when I went back to school, get my pharmaceutical manufacturing certificate. From that to opening businesses. So, you know, I, I wish we could understand dogs, right? <laughs> you know, I wish we could talk to them and let them know. Obviously, I, I would like to feel like they know that we love them, right? Our animals know that we love them through whether it's affection, whether it's verbal communication. But I wish that I could actually talk in his language to mm -hmm. really understand if he understands me, right? you right. know? I'm sure your dog understood you to the ability that he can. Of right. course, their intelligence does not equate to ours, but they have their own intelligence. Right. When you're sad, sometimes they'll snuggle with you even more to comfort you. When you're happy, mm -hmm. they want to dwell in your joy and hop <laughs> around and play around. Yes, right? yes. Um, when you're upset and you're coming through the door, they may give you distance or they may comfort you because you're depending on what the vibe or the energy they're getting. Sometimes if it's right. nervous energy, eh, not so much. Right. If it's energy like, oh, he's not in a good place, unbeknownst to them, they're therapy dogs. Yeah, 100%. Yes. My goodness, you're you're so right. I mean, it's crazy how smart animals are, like mm -hmm. how they can pick up on emotions, how you feel. So many times I come inside and he knows when to give me space. He knows when to come right and lay right next to me, right? right? right. Um, so for me, you know, it's crazy too because I've had family members that's passed away. I've never cried, right? I've, I felt pain. I felt, you know, sadness, but I've never cried. Right. Um, this was the first time somebody close to me has passed away that I have cried. Right. And um, it's crazy to say that it's a dog right like you know you think it'd be a human but a lot of times what makes you what what fills you with emotion uh, or or makes you cry is what you're truly attached to emotionally right i was really attached to my dog whether you know we didn't have to hang out every day right we didn't have to, i didn't have to walk can't well i walked him every day but as far as prolonged walks mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. going five mile walks we're not doing that every day right mm -hmm. but somehow some way uh, he was still able to bring me joy. Right. You got to think, though, in comparison to like you not crying when a family member might have died. Mm -hmm. You were with this dog every single day, likely, mm -hmm. since day one, since the three-month mark. Mm -hmm. Probably wasn't a day missed unless you took him to a kennel if you had to go out of town or something. Literally. So a family member, especially when you are out on your own and you're grown again, mm -hmm. you're not likely to see them every day or spend time with them every day. Mm -hmm. But this guy, at least when you got off work or when you were off, boom, 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 boom. He's with you. Boom. Now, 10 years later, and that's no longer in place. It's almost like there's an emptiness because you don't have that focus anymore, that companionship anymore. It's almost like smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. I hate to take it there, but it makes sense to me because I used to smoke. Mm -hmm. I associated smoking with so many things. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't smoke anymore, I felt empty. Wow. You associated your life with so many things that you know correlated with you and your pet. Now your pet's not in that lane anymore because he's no longer with us, at least in physical form. Mm -hmm. There's an emptiness. You know what I'm saying? You come home, you don't have that same energy when you enter the door. 
because you might have had a task associated with walking Max or feeding Max or just loving on Max. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So. Yes, I 100% agree. There's definitely a certain emptiness. And I think that that is one of the biggest, you know, hardest hardest parts to get over is that emptiness. Like, right. especially, especially when you're used to your dog being home. Mm-hmm. So just coming home is hard. Yeah. I'm used to walking in. And seeing him, right? Laying in bed is hard because I'm used to looking up and he's right there. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely 100% right about that. It's, you know, those daily those daily steps to try to heal mm-hmm. and understand that he's around even if he's not physically there. Right. It's very hard, like you said, because when you spend every day with somebody, you get used to a certain dynamic. You get used to hearing a bark. You get used <laughs> to food. But I also feel like, you know, when somebody passes away, there's always regrets, right? Hindsight bias where you're like, man, I wish that I knew I should have done this while they were still here. Or, you know, I wish this, but can't change time. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. They eat you up every time. There's nothing we can do about yesterday. We can only focus on today. I've had to, I've definitely had to come to grips that I can't yeah. change time. Um, And I'm the type of person, and maybe it's, you know, being a man, one of the manly characteristics, I guess you want to say, mm-hmm. is... I being in control in a way where I can control certain things, right? You can't control death. When it happens, it happens. And for me, that I control my own path in a way where it's like, you know, I have my own businesses. Mm -hmm. When I can't, you know, control a situation in a way, you know, it's definitely hard for me. And and me not being able to control when he goes Mm -hmm. or control how he went, you know, Mm -hmm. It's definitely hard um, for me, for sure. Men are strongly defined by what they are, what they can control. They, but you got to think a lot of these traits that we have as men are toxic. 100%. They don't benefit us. They hurt us in many ways. <clears throat> because like you said, we can't always do these things to control in many aspects of our life. You know what I'm saying? But we can control what we can control. Yeah. You can control the love you still have for Max. Mm-hmm. You can control... The pain that you feel as it relates to Max, because Max loved you. He only wanted to support you. He only supported you. He wouldn't want you to hurt and suffer behind his loss. You can ravel in the lovely memories that you had with Max. Commemorate Max, you know what I'm saying, with the pictures and photos and making scrapbooks and videos or whatever. Oh, yeah. Max is gone physically, but he'll always be here. Yes, 100%. He definitely will. And, you know, this is... um... Like I said, you, this is my first um, passing that's really, truly choked me up. Like, I think I've, <laughs> I don't think I've ever cried this much in my life. I don't even think I have. Especially as a man, man, I feel like you don't get a chance to really cry to where it's like almost like a weeping. You know what I mean? I've never wept. Society, um, they really did do a bad job programming us, didn't they? Yes. And I'm going to go here crying. I'm like, I'm feeling weird crying. Like, am I supposed to be crying this much? Is this normal? There's no formula for grief. Cry. Mm -hmm. Whenever you feel the notion to cry, cry. We might say, oh, I shouldn't cry. or I should not. This pain shouldn't be this hard for this long. There's no timetable on grief. There's no set formula for grief. There's stages of grief, but nobody follows the one, two, three, four, five of grief. Nor do they follow them chronologically. Nor do they follow all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the um, the denial. Oh, he's not really gone. He's just not here right now. My brother was killed. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't know. I didn't even go to the funeral because I said if I didn't go to the funeral, I could at least say mm. that he's somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That he's still here, and I'm just not talking to him right now. And that was a bad way to deal with it because when I finally did have to deal with it, when we had to go to court and all that stuff that dealt with that, mm. then that reality hit me because I didn't deal with it healthily. Health, well, I didn't deal with it well at all. I'll mm. say, words are tripping me up because I feel I could feel your pain because I too have lost, whether it was a pet or whether it was a person that was close to me. And there's no timetable of grief. There's no indication that grief will subside. We might be good 364 days a week, a year. But on that day, that birthday or the memorial of his oh, death, yeah. that might mm. be it right there. Mm. It might even be a lead up. You might feel a certain way up into it. That's like my brother died in the summer. So on this, I don't do well with summer months. Mm. I always say it's because I'm a winter baby. No, it's really because it was this type of environment that contributed to his downfall. 100%. I, I, I definitely agree with, with that. With you, you may have an aversion to going to parks or looking at other people loving their dogs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You might, the way you go home, you might pass by PetSmart. That pet, same PetSmart y'all went into for the washes or to buy the food because in PetSmart, you could take your dog into the store. You yes. know what I'm saying? He was like, I want that. What's this? I want that. <laughs> yes. It's, you know, it's crazy how, and I guess now we're kind of, I guess, transitioning to like a more worldly topic, but mm -hmm. it, it is crazy how time continues to move on even when death happens, right? Mm -hmm. Because death in its lowest form is time stopping. Yeah. But we, the people that are experiencing this grief don't get to stop time just like that person, right? You have to keep, I was talking to somebody today and they were like, you know, we hardly get a chance to really mourn because you have to keep going. Right. You got bills to pay. Right. You got work to get to. Real life you, stuff. Yeah, you got people to <laughs> handle. So right. when somebody passes, when it when experiences happen, how many people actually get the time to truly dive into their emotions right. and, and expand on it, extract it, think, why did this happen? How can I change this from happening? I feel like a lot of times people just acknowledge it and then life happens, and then it's put in the back burner until it happens again. That's true. Also, we'll find more benefit to know that why ask why? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What benefit is why to us? Even if there was a definitive answer that gave it to us, yeah, it may serve us in the future, but it, has, it can do nothing about what happened, right? Yes, exactly. We could focus on what what we're experiencing you know what i'm saying who of course max are we experiencing you know what i'm saying how we're experiencing him are we experiencing him in pain in his passing or are we experiencing him in love mm -hmm. with his passing yes yes what are i guess what are ways that like, the ways that people usually do deal with grief um like you said, there are stages, mm -hmm. you know, of people dealing with grief, but as there usually like a commonality amongst races and sexes that it's like, okay, normally people deal with grief this way, you know? In my opinion, no normal. Wow. <laughs> um, for us especially, I think it's like you say, because the way death is in our family, our generational curses, we'll say that we had to cut it off, move on, cut it off, move on, cut it off, move mm -hmm. it on because the way the deaths came or because we were, you know, depending if you're, you know, come from a different lineage of generations where you come from, 
you would think that they would have to in order to go back to the fields to work those six days, you know what I'm saying? Right. Where they have to, you know, contribute, continue to do the productivity that they had to do for their families. Mm -hmm. They didn't have time to mourn. Even today, I, at least for me, I'll say, I'll go to a funeral and I have to cut it off because I have to go back to helping people mm. at risk of not helping myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Additionally, the lies I tell my people, oh, we got to stay connected. We got to stay in mm -hmm. contact better than this. When one of our cousins might have fallen or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know in the moment if we know we're lying, but I know the reality is we are. Wow. Which reminds me, I need to call my cousin today because I made a commitment that I was going to do better by that. Yes. You're right, though. We do subconsciously say stuff, not thinking our conscious was never going to really do that or never planned on it. Because there's a lot of times we say, hey, I'll call you or, hey, let's check up. Or, I'll, I'll make sure I check up on you. And, and it may have not been that we didn't plan on doing it or we knew subconsciously we weren't going to do it. Real yeah. life gets in the way. Yes. Yes, and you can't stop life from happening. It just continuously happens. Um, I feel like um, as men, right, we're going back to men, um, maybe specifically black men, mm -hmm. um, we weren't, we didn't grow up learning. Well, I'll speak for African men because I grew up around a lot of African men, right? Okay. Uh, we didn't grow up learning how to express our emotions mm -hmm. in a in a positive way. Right. I feel as if, for example, I've never seen my dad cry, mm -hmm. right? But I feel like that's probably most, a lot, a lot of majority of men, we've never seen our dad cry, right? I'm 49 years old and I've never seen Philip E. Blue cry. Is, I've seen him even at his sister's recent funeral. Mm -hmm. None of my uncles or my dad cried, but my aunts were way all Right. <laughs> so, exactly. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and I feel like, not necessarily that things have to change to where every man should just start crying more so, mm -hmm. but there does need to be a conversation had on why expressing our emotions physically, whether it's a tear, mm -hmm. is seen as weak, right? right? And what does it matter if somebody's past why, what you care to seem as, right? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like just for that example, at a funeral, mm -hmm. if I feel emotion, I'm going to let it out. I feel like a lot of times as a man, we feel emotion, but we don't let it out. We we push it to the deepest, deepest down, and we just walk around with a stale face. Uh, oh, I'm, it's a, I'm all right. I'm good. Knowing we're not okay. I would love for men to be comfortable enough in their own skin to be able to express their feelings. But I know it's a fear. It's a fear of being judged. Mm. Their woman might think that they're weak because their mom probably says something to the effect of that in their upbringing, you know what I'm saying? Oh, stop crying. Stop being a little girl. This is something I've heard when mm -hmm. I was coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah. For um, sure. And so I would suppress my feelings until I decided that it wasn't serving me. It was hurting me. Mm -hmm. In fact, it could have got to the point where, I hate to say it on air, but suicide because I wasn't oh, able yeah. to let it out. I was feeling down like I didn't even want to be here anymore. Yes. Yes. It's crazy, it's crazy you brought that up because that doesn't need to be talked about more is uh, me and my best friend Attic were talking. I told him, I said, I will condone suicide. However, as a man, I can see how a man can get to that point. Right. Because when you start thinking about the world and what goes on in the world and right. how crazy the world gets, right. mixing that with how most men don't get to deal with emotion positively, right. when a rush of emotion comes that you've never dealt with, That's it right. can lead to that dark spot. Right. So right. I definitely talked to my best friend and said, 
I don't condone suicide. Right, right. I, don't, I feel like everyone should find some happiness in life, enjoying life. Yes. Whether everything is going bad in life, but the last thing you can say is, at least I'm alive. You know, that's... <laughs> suicide is a permanent solution exactly. to a temporary problem. Exactly. And I think if people had that mindset that this too will pass, mm -hmm. we probably would not choose that path. At all. Oh, 100% right. So we don't. There seems to be an uprising amongst, about suicide in our community. Oh. And I, want, I can understand the pain because, one, let's look at trauma. We have trauma, not even directly sometimes, but precariously, that we don't deal with appropriately. And it hurts us because we don't know how to express ourselves. Or we express ourselves in ways we don't have to. Instead of feeling sad and weepy, I'm going to be angry and mad. Right. Or I'm going to numb myself, I'm going to drink, or I'm going to smoke, or I'm going to do this or that. We numb ourselves to the experience because we don't want to feel the experience. Mm. The wisdom comes in mm. allowing yourself to feel the experience, getting the right supports for you in regards to living and feeling that experience. My brother, Van Lowry, is a wonderful, wonderful man. And he's developing a gentleman's LLC program that's going to address this very same issue mm -hmm. that we can heal the safe place for us to heal mm -hmm. because it's needed because besides the barbershop where can we express ourselves openly and get feedback and get support we may have one or two friends but honestly we're probably the most isolated as a race in that way black men mm -hmm. we might have one or two buddies but we can't say we have five Mm. And if we do have five, it's really just associate levels. The people we play ball with or yes. might go to a bar with, yes. not necessarily somebody we can call when we're down or depend on when we are, have fallen on hard times. Mm -hmm. I, Besides Van and Mercer, I can't say if it's not my bloodline, I have that connection. That's so right. crazy you said that because that is so true. So many people, so many of us have friends, right? People we go out with, go drinks with, go to the club with, even even go on vacations with. Mm -hmm. But when life actually happens, how many of those people can you actually call and vent to, right. and they will actually give you feedback? What you said was very important was feedback, because yeah. you can vent to somebody and they don't care. Yeah. But the feedback is the caring part where they actually listen and they want to give you advice back to benefit mm -hmm. you. And that is so true. Like even thinking about me, I feel like I have a lot of friends. Yeah. Maybe not a lot, but I feel like I have, I have more than five friends. Mm -hmm. But out of those five plus friends, how many people do I actually call when something happens? If I'm depressed, if I'm sad, maybe one or two, like you said, right? Because they're, and, and like you said, it's because we didn't develop this growing up as men where we can call our, it's like, it's almost like you grow up like, man, chalk it up, right? You fall, <laughs> you scrape your knee, oh, get up, right? You're a right, man, get up, right, you're a man. Right. You're up, it's a girl, oh, come here, honey. It's right. You know, so that's <laughs> what it is. It's we don't feel comfortable even speaking to each other right. about emotion because it's like, it's kind of awkward, like, uh. Right, right, right. Like, I remember one time, I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> I, remember, I remember one time, um, probably like four years ago, okay. I vented, I went home and vented to my parents about, I was in a, a, a journey with my life of expressing my childhood to my parents and things that happened in my childhood, not necessarily anything crazy traumatic, right. but traumatic enough for it to affect me as I'm getting older, whether it's me noticing the tone of voice that I use. Why do I mm -hmm. use this tone of voice? Mm -hmm. Why do I feel this emotion in certain times? Mm -hmm. So as I'm expressing this to my parents, I just started breaking down out of nowhere, like crying profusely, 
it's like something just took over me. Like kind of like I've been holding this in for mm-hmm. all my life, expressing mm-hmm. how I felt to them. And I'm sitting there crying, bawling to the point where I'm on the ground. Mm-hmm. My mom, oh baby, it's okay. Let me get you a tissue. I look up. My dad just sitting on the couch looking at me like with a stale face. I can tell that he wants to feel right. emotion. Right. He just doesn't know how right. to. Right. So I'm just sitting there, and then when I was done crying, I thought to myself, like, man, I would have loved for him to come and comfort me in that way, right? But I know he does love me. Right. I just know that he doesn't know how to express that love in that way. You can't blame him for that, but as we are the product of our parents, we have to learn how to become better and how to do better. So That's a wonderful story. I can totally relate. To <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, come on, Dad, get up. <laughs> So, so I remember when I was young, young, well, we're talking, well, centuries ago, maybe, um, I had an argument with my mom. I was a little guy. I, I want to go stay with my dad. We didn't go. And I knew the way he drove us back home, like when he was came to get us or whatever, it, it followed a, a train track. So I got on the train track and I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked. I said, Dad, I really want to be with my dad. Then I walked too far. <laughs> I didn't know exactly where to go next. And this is way before cell phones and all this. Right, right. And then I go back home and I call him. He said, man, I really just came and got you. <laughs> Literally, right. Like, this map quest. That's before map quest. Way before map quest on. Hey, you know, those, yeah. those travel guys, you have to do like this. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, the things that we wow. want, we you know, we want that love from our fathers. But even as a father, you know what I'm saying, we're, we're taught. If you're a provider and you're present, mm-hmm. all right, that's all the checks we need. Literally. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't know until we know. And we yes. need to know. We need to learn to love our children, love our sons, embrace our sons, whether they're 1, 2, 15, 25, 45. Mm-hmm. I hugged my father recently and I felt a tenseness in him. Mm. Now, we were at a funeral and he was um, it was his um, sister's death, but I know. That even over time, when we, yeah, I can only say this is the saddest part I probably could ever say in this particular session, is that I probably can only recall hugging my father no more than five times in my entire almost 50 years on this planet. That is crazy. Yeah. That is That's crazy. reality. It's not that my father doesn't love me. It's not that my father doesn't care for me. He's done more for me than probably any father has because mm-hmm. I was a handful. Mm-hmm. But... He, his father was killed or died because, you know, issues in the South many years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't know how to. He 100%. definitely, and then you got to think he comes from an era that they didn't know how to because they're coming out of the civil rights era. Yes. You know what I'm saying? They experienced a lot of stuff that we're thankful we don't have to experience today. 100%. And that hardness in him, you know what I'm saying? 100%. That, that's, that's, that's and Unfortunately, true. I see it in myself sometimes. I have to constantly think. Oh, this is when they need this or they need that. Mm-hmm. Because internally, it's not really in me. Yes. Because of the way I was raised, raised. and programmed. Yeah. The culture that was around me. You know what I'm saying? I definitely agree with and you. And I can't say that I've seen it anywhere except on TV, the Cosby Show. Yes. Yeah. That's, you're 100% right. Like what we see of true best fatherly figures, whether it's they have whether it's oh you're spending time with the kid often right that's another actually conversation it's i feel like maybe me growing up maybe this is just me being candid i feel like growing up i would see a lot of white families spending time together but not a lot of black families spending time together i feel like a lot of black dynamic was 
mom and dad work. Mm-hmm. Kid went to school. Mm-hmm. He after school, he probably maybe an after school program with some cousins. Mm-hmm. But then the white dynamic is they're going, they're showing up to their kids' games mm-hmm. and they're going taking these vacations together right. and they're so I wonder almost is it that our race is working backwards, whether it's where is we're working, right? We're working, we're making money, but who's being affected by us not being around is the kids, right? They can get into so much stuff, right? right? Whereas, you know, you have the white family that they have a business. They're taking their kid to the business, right? right. You have an Asian family. They're taking the kid to the business, to their business. But zoom out. You know that the society has deemed it that way. We weren't given the opportunities others were given. Mm-hmm. And so we had to work harder to always have less. Our parents had to work harder just to get by, whether that man probably could, the white man probably could do for his family just on his salary alone. Right. It gave them more flexibility to do all the things. His 150 easy came at the expense of our 25 and 25, or our 30 and 40, mm-hmm. just to cover what we need to cover for our family. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's just what it is. It happened that we always have to think. We can't say that, oh, they do this and they do that, these other races, because they had advantages that society didn't afford us. Mm. Even when we are top tier in our education and our credit, that APR at the bank is always going to be higher because of the color of our skin. The places that we live, that they redlined that we can't go to was always going to be there. Oh, well, somebody else bid higher. That person ain't bid higher. They bid at 30 lower, but they're not going to tell you that. You're it's it's crazy you say that. That's that's facts. That happens everywhere, everywhere you go. Um and so how do you how as a culture, as a society, can we start to change how we view each other? Because I feel like a lot of times that's even a, a something we don't discuss is how we view each other. The first thing we could do is stay off social media. Oh, <laughs> explain, explain. What do you mean? What do you mean by I that? I mean, look at the, the, the influencers mm-hmm. and the things that we see on the TikToks and the Instagrams. Not so much the Facebooks anymore because that's like, ugh. But <laughs> these things and how the music and everything influences our youth and influences our lifestyles in many ways. Girls get, women get ideas of how to cook and all that stuff from, I don't know, these TikTok videos or whatever. Not mm-hmm. remembering the history of our grandmother, our great grandmother, and the way they cooked and the things they did. Yes. Oh, this is more new. This is more new, though. Da da da. Two, we have to be more open in communication. Mm. When the last time you sat down and had a thirty to forty-five or fifty-minute conversations with somebody that you loved and that you was, you know, invested in, mm. you passed by, you walked by. There's a few words here, a few words there, a text here, a call there, but deep. Meaningful conversations are rare. hundred percent. Two, it used to be a village or a series of villages, I'm sure. When the last time you, besides a club, a bar, let's say, let's say, when did, did we have a family reunion last year? I know my family didn't. That's, None of my birth crazy. families had one last year for some reason. Right. Um, or went to a park and just had a, a barbecue or invited someone to your home, just had a barbecue, have mm-hmm. your, your core family or something, just to sit down and eat and be merry and talk and have these things. I'm not saying that that race does, any other race does that, but I know that's what we need. Yes, we don't congregate. Because we have a misconstrued conception of one another based on media portrayal, yes. based on culture, based on in many ways, probably in our genetic code, based on the, the trickle-down effect mm-hmm. of what happened to us in the past. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. Because I think about that all the time. Like, why is it that we view each other so much different? We treat mm-hmm. each other so much different. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you an example. It's, you know, when black African Americans, black people, we have a, a, a sometimes a wrongful. I want to say this word right. Familiarity with each other, where it's because you're black and I'm black, I should treat you or give you this. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll give you a bad example. A lot of black people will go to a white establishment and pay exactly what they asked. Mm-hmm. But then they go to a black mm-hmm. establishment and they think they're <laughs> supposed to be get, given a discount or they right, think that that right, price right. is it's not, high. it's high, yes. And a lot of times it will be higher, not because that person wants it at that price, but because they're not able to buy in bulk. Or get the same vendor privilege that someone else got. Exactly. You always got to think that a lot of things that happen, or we be, or we are, or we run businesses the way we do, not because we want to run them that way. Mm. It's because we're at an economical dis- disadvantage, and we have to run it that way. Wow. But if you were my friend and you had a business, it should be in my heart to pay what you ask for, if not more. Hundred percent. I want you to be successful, or at least that should be my want. Mm. But another thing to count to jump off of that. When I saw you in the front of the building earlier, in this reality, and it's sad to say this, with your motorcycle bike and your med- your shirt on, I probably would have held you, mm-hmm. but I would only let it on my head without speaking yeah. and walk past you. Mm-hmm. Why don't we stop and talk to people and engage with people and have conversations with people, introduce ourselves to people to increase our village? Mm. Mm. I can't remember the last time I've done that, if I've ever done that. That's if it wasn't at a networking that. event where I might have been forced to do that. I'm trying to think of ever. You're right. Like even just casually walking down the street, mm-hmm. you see somebody, you just spark a conversation. Right. You sit there talking for 15, 20, 30 minutes and you leave feeling like you got something out of it, whether mm-hmm. it's po- uh, positive connection, network, right. true knowledge and wisdom. Right. right. It's so much you can learn from everybody. And let's look at the youth, the adolescents, the millennials, the younger people that's coming up. They need that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, nobody's giving them real game, right. real, real game, right? What's giving them game is the, like you said, social media, the meat, the entertainment, the the music, right? Forced in their minds. I was at TJ Maxx the other day buying an outfit. Yes, I buy cheap. <laughs> hey, TJ Maxx does some good stuff now. <laughs> and the guy, I had a mental health shirt on, and the guy was like, "Oh, you're you work in mental health?" And I said, "Yeah, I work for." Da, da, da. And he was like, he just he had like a whole seven minute breakdown regarding what he was going through. Mm. And how he was looking for a mental health therapist. And of course, I gave him my information and all that stuff. But it was the fact that that might have been the only opening he had to engage, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To, or to get something off his block. Or, because, you know, one, unfortunately, right now we're in a mental health drought in, in North Carolina that some people are on waiting lists that are months long in some cases, um, from what I've been told. Um, or they just don't take certain people's insurances because the insurances are so diversified now that that person may not be able to take that person's insurance. Wow. And who can readily afford to pay for therapy out of their pocket? I make a pretty good salary, but I'm not in a place where I think I can pay $150 a week for therapy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. That $150 is easy. going to go towards food, gas, food, yeah. gas, shoot clothes, activities for the children. Shoot, saving up for that that the, the mortgage that's in it that's due at the end of the month. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Versus what? Versus one fifty. I would love to. I mean, luckily my insurance covers what you know what I needed to cover. But if I didn't have that option, and then these therapists, 
not taking, not putting nothing on them or taking anything from them. They have to charge what they have to charge in order to live their lives, to pay back their student loans, to pay for their licenses, their certificates, their trainings, to pay for their overhead for their buildings. Yes. No, you're 100% right. You're 100%. I mean, there's so much that as men we definitely have to unpack. We have to start it now yeah. because if we, if we stay the way that we are, it's going to be hard to change our characteristics, the order we get, right? right. Everyone. Kind of has and then we lay in a seed for another perpetual cycle. And I think we have to definitely do it before we have kids, mm-hmm. before you have a son. You mm-hmm. have to become more emotionally mature in that yeah. way. Because like you said, you don't want to pass it on to your child. Right. He doesn't know how to deal with emotions. Right. And he doesn't know why he's crying or why he's acting the way he is. You right. Know? right. Um, and if he is crying, just, you know, to talk to him and discuss with him, to express his pain, especially when they're younger, they're going to cry at will anyway because they don't have the emotional database to mm-hmm. you know, deal with it effectively, to let them know it's okay, to not scold them. Even when you know it's just not even appropriate, like, oh, my gosh, just cat again. Love them anyway, right? Yes, yes no, that's crazy. So that's a, that's a, that's, man, that's powerful what you just said. Love them anyway. That's something we definitely do with each other as a race, as people, is love each other, love on each other. A lot of times there's so much competition and hate amongst each other where we feel like you know I, I, I and it's crazy i saw this quote and it actually was like it actually start thinking that's actually kind of right in a way it said mm-hmm. the it said only it said the higher you get people start to collaborate the lower you get people start to have competition mm-hmm. so basically it was saying you know the richest people in the world they actually collaborate with each mm-hmm. other it's not competition but both the rich right let's, let's make money together or hey give me some game i'll give you some game right but then when you're still coming up when you're not rich, it's competition. Whereas, right. oh, you only have $500. Oh, this person had $500. Oh, I can't give them enough. If I give them the game, they're going to take it from me mm-hmm. and make more money. You mm-hmm. know, we don't, we, like you said, we don't conversate with each other. Right. The level of it is because of this competition. It's right. like, why would I talk to you about what I do? So that you could take what I do and do it better than me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that level of competition. Amongst you're us. right, though. I see it. <laughs> it's embedded in us coming from, from a very dark background. You know what I'm saying? That, in many nations in Africa, way way back in the day, now of course, they didn't see commerce the way we see commerce. They didn't see um, money the way we see money. They didn't. It was all a collective, you know. what I'm saying almost like a an ant pile, you know, where the queens, what the queen, and everybody's doing everything for each other. Yeah. We were that at one time. Well, I'm not sure all of us were, but of course, our backgrounds indicate that a lot of us came from such a background. But we came here and was I don't know, for lack of a better word, Americanized 100%. in such a way that we're hurting ourselves. But we're Americanized to such a degree that's so hurtful that they don't do it the way we do it. You know what I'm saying? But then again, you got to think, we have a target on our back from all angles. Literally. Even our own. Yes. Yes, and that's the hardest part. Like you said. So we're fighting against everything just Every today. single thing. And, you know, you have to be a strong you have to be a strong person in this world, especially as a man, because there's so many pressures yeah. on you, right? Where you have to take care of not only yourself, not mm-hmm. only your family, not only your mental health, not only your environment, not only your kids. It's so you know, I think to myself sometimes like, how do people have multiple kids, multiple uh, house, multiple cars? All these things are not only responsibilities, but they're added stressors that you have to take care of. Mm-hmm. You got a car note, you got the mortgage, you got the lights, you got the phone bill, you got the kids to feed, you got like 
There's only 24 hours in the day. <laughs> you know, you hear this all the time. Not enough hours. Right. It's not enough hours in the day. So a lot of times, you know, it's like we're almost driving ourselves to the ground, to death. You know, by the time. Yeah, by the time people get into their 70s and 80s, I wonder if they truly think to themselves, have I lived a life? Right. Or have I just been around? Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people have just been around where they can tell you, okay, times have changed. But in those times that you've been alive, what can you say you've done that is truly like you're truly joyful and truly memorable? You know, because as you get older, you know, somebody, somebody asks you, well, you, you remember when you were at 13? You're not going to remember. <laughs> but somebody asks you, yo, what's the what's the amazing things that happened in your life? If you've mm-hmm. truly had a good life, you Oh, I remember when I did this when I was 20 or 21, and this when mm-hmm. I was 25, and this and core one. memories. Yeah, yeah exactly. Core. So we need to form more core memories yes. and not just, I'm here, I'm just living life. Exactly, exactly. I agree with you 100%. See, I like to sleep. Oh, yeah. I love sleep more than anything. <laughs> but I know if I'm sleeping, yeah. I can't be making an impact. Like you say, making those core memories. Yes. I recently went to a Zumba class again. I haven't mm-hmm. been to Zumba since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It killed me. <laughs> but. Another core memory. Yeah, I had enlightenment. There was a the, the host, the person who was leading it, mm-hmm. just gave such words of wisdom wow. that resonated with me. That almost as if God told her or spoke through her to tell me what I needed to do to get through these next few months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And man, that's. <clears throat> so I guess I'll go to Zumba. Yeah. Yes, that's, I guess I need to go to Zumba, and I need to also. Not Zumba. I'm sorry. Yoga. Yoga. yoga yeah. Oh, that's true. Yoga. Yes. Yeah. I've, I like yoga. I've done hot yoga too. I've done okay. hot yoga. I okay. think hot yoga is good. I think moving forward, what I need to start doing mm-hmm. is even just revisiting stuff that we've talked about. Moving yeah. forward, I need to start having deeper, meaningful conversations with strangers, people that I don't know, networking. Or even with people you do know. Because right. If you think about the depth of the conversation you have with your, your best bud, mm. it may not even be that deep. You know? Yes. Man, did you see such and such last night? That game was crazy. That's about as thin as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're right. Yes. I have a conversation with even people I do know, too. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because like you just said, we don't... Like you like you talked about previously, a lot of people have multiple friends, but how many people can actually call right. when something's going on? Right. So I do need to work better more on that. Right. Having deeper conversations with people um, I definitely need to also work on why I feel the way I feel, what is bothering me, who is who is bothering me, how can I change how I feel, and what can't I change? I think that's another thing yeah. that people don't also think about is what can you change and what can you not change? Right. If you can't change it, no point in stressing about it because that then part. you're just going to drive yourself into that insanity. Part. Part. You know, if I can't change somebody else's attitude, then what can I do for myself, mm-hmm. you know? Even if you can change it, develop an action plan to change it and let it go. Work on the plan instead of worrying and fretting about it. Yes, yes. So I need to definitely work on all those things to improve myself, my mental health, my physical health, mm-hmm. and just being better as better as an individual. Um, I guess the last thing I really want to talk about is how can, as, as men... Mm-hmm. How can we get to a point where we don't feel like the world is on our shoulders every single moment of the day? Where it's you work, you got bills, you got mortgage to pay for, you got 
You got your, you know, your wife to make sure she's taking care of your kids to make sure you take care of. You got your boss to make sure he's going to, you got, you know, bills, you got vacations to think about. We have so many things coming at us on a daily basis. You know, we, it's a hard that you even get to think about for, think about yourself, right? Think about your mental, think about this person passing. Mm-hmm. How can we as men improve on finding ourselves? Truly finding ourselves, you know, like you said, a lot of times the surface level conversations we have with each other, surface level engagements, mm-hmm. you go, you go play basketball for a little while, or you go drink, or you go smoke to take away these emotions, but it's temporary, right? Mm-hmm. So how, again, um, can we just get to a better, better realization with who we are and what we're meant to be in this life? Just like you take the time to have a schedule when you go to work or you have the time to schedule to do this and that, you have to build your own wellness into your schedule. Mm. How often time do you say, I'm going to do this and do this after work? You don't end up doing it. <laughs> Too often. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that, what you are leaving off your schedule is probably contributing to your not being as well as you could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying this as I'm speaking to myself. As I often say, after work, I'm going to do yoga or I'm going to go to this place and listen to this poetry event, knowing that would probably benefit me in some way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm too tired to do that. But if, it, but if you had to work an extra two hours, you would have the energy to do that for some reason. Mm. Why do we dedicate more time to mm. vocation than we do to our vocation? Oh, I needed to hear that. So when you develop your agenda, you develop your, and this is not something I made up, this is something from uh, Franklin Covey. It's mm-hmm. a Franklin Covey training. You could always um, look it up. This, Information about Franklin Covey online to make like the diary things. Yes. And yes. the trainings regarding that. You have to build your wellness into your schedule. You have to build the things you need to do for yourself into your actual schedule. You schedule that time to do that. And you don't defer from it. Do you defer from your eight hours at work? No, you don't. Mm. So why defer from your wellness? Mm. I needed to hear that. That was very, very powerful. There's nothing else that I took from this that alone i took from that because you're so right we all have time to work and drive ourselves to the ground but we don't have time to take care of ourselves right. and working it into our schedule because we already work everything else in our schedule is i work from nine to five after five i gotta go pick up the kids from this time after this i mm-hmm. gotta go do this from this time work it into your schedule right. and then it's gonna become like your lifestyle right. it's gonna be something you're gonna feel uncomfortable not doing right. it's like you don't feel comfortable not going to work that because part. you know you have responsibility that part. so and man. that's the responsibility that you have to yourself yes yes and that was so powerful brother thank you so much for, for sitting down with me and oh no anytime allowing me to express myself and talk to you and giving me feedback about what i need to do i feel like I just like to say that you being here helped me today just to get some things out and reflect on some things that I need to do for myself. As a lot of things you said definitely resonated with me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, brother. Okay. All right. Well, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Morning Therapy Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. That's the Morning Therapy Podcast. Be well and be great. Thank you. All right, thank you. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. man, I, what you said at the end, man, that was here's. Did you trying to see? Mine was similar. Oh, yours is cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, what you said at the end was so powerful, man, because 